And there it is. That's United season all over and done with, but not for us. Welcome to Red Voices, friends. It's you and Rich on duty this week after Saturday's FA Cup final loss to Chelsea. What's next? How has the season panned out and what can United do to bridge the gap both at home and on the continent? Well, uh, we're not sure, but we're definitely going to try and figure that out. Rich, how are things? Yeah, not too bad. Slightly better than yesterday. <laughs> yeah, those sort of games and those sort of performances and that sort of disappointment just kind of stay with you for a little while, doesn't it? I think it does because essentially because of the way the season's panned out, because of how disappointing so much of the football's been, you know, Mourinho's, you know what you're getting. You're getting a pragmatic approach to things, but you tolerate it because he wins trophies. That's, that's you know, you put up with the pragmatic football because, because the guy wins trophies. And ultimately, if he'd won the cup yesterday, then whatever gripes you have, you know, I feel that I have or what anybody else has, he can, you know, rightly turn around and say, well, look, I've, I've won you a cup. And you, you, you know, you really can't complain about that. And ultimately, it's difficult to do that. You, you can't really complain that he's not, at least in practical terms, delivered some something this season. The problem is that if he doesn't deliver a cup, you know, if it falls flat as it did yesterday, then what are you left with? You're just left with a season that's, you know, essentially ended without any real success, and it's been an absolute pain to watch. So, so that game on, you know, the game on Saturday kind of defined the season, which is a shame because he defined it in the wrong way. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't quite on the level of Ajax last season, was it? You know, essentially the entire campaign was hinging on that game in the sense of, you know, what was next season going to look like? Were we even going to be in the Champions League? Have we got another year of tolling through the Europa League? You know, essentially sacking off the Premier League and trying to finish top four. It was all hinging on beating Ajax and we managed that game quite well. We got the lead, we defended well and we took our chance when we got it. With the FA Cup final, there was definitely less pressure on it purely because we have improved enough in the league to not have to worry about any sort of European qualifications or ramifications based on what happened today. And that's good. You know, essentially top four was sewn up a couple of weeks ago. And, you know, fair enough. That's that's always a good thing to do, considering that that's only happened, what, two out of the five seasons that we've had since Sir Alex retired. So that's great. You know, that, that that's that's a step in a direction that will hopefully get us towards consistency. I'm conscious of not being too Arsenal with the fact that we've got top four because, you know, ideally you want to be a team that actually competes and challenges for the Champions League as opposed to making up the numbers. And, you know, there's a discussion to be had about how we approach it next season that we won't go into now. But, you know, I think there, as you mentioned there, there is an element when it came to yesterday's game of since the City game in particular, apart from a couple of spots here and there, you know, it was always nice to beat Spurs and Arsenal. It, the football has been very lifeless. It's been a really flat end to this season without any real bright spots in terms of performances or performers. So winning the FA Cup felt like just a bit of a good way to round off what has been a difficult season. Because, yeah, we finished second, but we finished a country mile behind City. Yeah, we got back into the Champions League, but we got knocked out by severe and really awful fashion. Yeah, there has been some signs of progress and it's great to have actually had our highest points total since Ferguson retired. But again, still out of the title race, almost by our own hand by December. Obviously, City's form has got to be taken into the equation there too because they've been magnificent this season. There's no way of getting around that. But you can't deny that United have had some part in their failings this season. It's not just been that we play better teams and we have been our own worst enemies at frequent points. And I guess the frustration thinking about that game today was, you know, you think back to some of the games that we've had over the last few months that have been, you know, encouraging and where we've come back. You know, we came back against Spurs, we came back against City, we came back against Chelsea. 
they shared a similar template to what happened yesterday, didn't they? In the sense that we started off quite pensive. We waited for them to come to us. And all right, we'd had a little bit more possession than we had in some of those aforementioned games. But essentially, we got hit by a sucker punch and, you know, Phil Jones being Phil Jones. And then we had to respond. And this is the thing. You can't keep playing these games, falling behind and having to respond. Because essentially, eventually your lucky's just going to run out. The problem we've had this season, and I was, I was thinking about this earlier on, I think we can count on one hand the number of really decent first half performances we've put in the league this season. I'm really struggling to think of too many. We had our first shot, our first worthwhile shot, I think in the 55th minute. You can't throw away the first 50 to 60 minutes of every game. Basically write it off and then and then have to essentially win win a game, prob, you know, quite often from behind in the last 30, 35 minutes of a game every week. It's just not possible, particularly when you seem absolutely incapable of sort of turning on and off the attack. The problem we had once Chelsea scored, as you say, it was a very kind of cagey opening. Neither side wanted to commit forward. And you can see what they're both trying to do. They're both trying to draw the other side out and then counter-attack because that's that's how both Mourinho and Conte's teams play and have played. Yeah, I mean, it was a very pot-meat-kettle moment when Mourinho was moaning about Chelsea's <laughs> approach to that game, really, wasn't it? Honestly, can't watch his interviews anymore because I can't stand the, side, the sound of him, the look of him standing there miserably blaming somebody or deflecting the blame off himself. He's not the Mourinho that I remember at Chelsea or, or or the guy who was at Inter or who was at Porto who those those teams were successful in part because Mourinho dragged them all along behind him. They were all on board. It was like us against the world. As, as Fergie used to do to a degree, Mourinho for for a period was the absolute master of that. And you know, all of his players at Chelsea and at Inter and at Porto, they loved him, absolutely adored him and they that's that's the it's almost like a driving force of emotion that, that, that drove his teams and he was he was so mischievous and but but you know, Machiavellian but in a way that you, you, you had to just laugh at because it was so in so ingenious and it worked. But it it feels like when he went to Real Madrid he he fell out with half the squad, really lost his squad there, or a large portion of the squad. And then ultimately did the same at Chelsea again in that, that second season after he won the title. And it just seems that he's got into this habit now where the glint's gone out of his eye. And rather than protecting his players and dragging all these players behind him and these players loving him because of his energy and his, you know, his force of, force of will and force of nature, now he just seems to have taken to bickering with his own players. If it doesn't work, I'm going to blame one of my own players. You know, even, even kind of before the cup final, he was having a little dig at Lukaku for because Lukaku, you know, he'd asked Lukaku, and Lukaku said, I can't start. And you could tell that he was pissed about that. So we had to have a little dig. And, you know, Lukaku's one of the only, I'd say, like two or three players that he's actually improved this season. I've just got to the point where I can't watch him because he's just deflecting, he's just making excuses, he's just blaming other people for stuff that ultimately is, to a degree, a large degree, his responsibility. Yeah, it is. You know, and it, it's just not been much fun, you know, and... I think back to that game. Yeah. I mean, the problem is, is that a large chunks of that performance and that outcome, you could look at any of the things that we've been talking about this season and hark back to them. You know, we're talking about what Mourinho does with the players he brings in when he doesn't trust those that he's already got or the ones that he's inherited. You know, he's bought Eric Bay and uh, Victor Lindelof in, and they barely played. You know, I think we've done more podcast episodes than Lindelof's had appearances this season. So it. it 
I don't, I don't get it. And I don't see what Phil Jones and Chris Smalling offer that is so substantially better than those two, especially not by, he's clearly our best center back in terms of what he offers and his commitment and his willingness to make a good tackle and not make ridiculous mistakes. All right, fair enough. He's made the odd gaff every now and then, but certainly not on the level of Jones and Smalling where they just keep getting caught out of position or might spoon a pass somewhere. And, you know, it, it just needs to be better than this. And the decisions that he's made in terms of this back four and the way that we keep struggling to cross the ball, to deliver, to create chances, to score goals. You know, we've scored, what, one goal in the last four matches? Is that now? It's just, it's nowhere near good enough. And I know that this season mm. is tailed off into obscurity and we're all waiting for the cup final. But we didn't come into this game with any sort of form. So it really perhaps shouldn't be that much of a surprise that we weren't able to kick up into high gear because we'd just not been able to do that consistently. And it showed, you know... <laughs> It was a really simple... I mean, you've got to give Hazard credit for that goal. It was a wonderful first touch, and he did Jones completely. And the one thing you can look back at that replay, I was speaking to... Our boy Kev actually was over. He came over to my place to watch it. It was lovely to meet him and have him over. It was a lovely afternoon, apart from the game. But I was saying to Kev when we were watching the replays, Hazard wasn't going to shoot. He was waiting for that challenge. He was just waiting no. for Jones to commit himself. Yeah, just and don't he go did. in. He caught it hook, line and sinker and you know a great penalty and that was you know I, I'm not necessarily sure Chelsea were massive value for the lead but after that there was a very clear sense that they were essentially saying right we're going to sit deep it is now your job to break us down and what have United struggled with all this season breaking teams down we still don't have an answer we still don't know what we're doing and Mourinho can moan about the players that he's got at his disposal all he likes he still does not have an alternative or any sort of contingency plan when that happens. And that's just insane to me. I don't know how we've gotten through to another two years of a manager where we play sometimes just possession football and we keep probing, but we just do not seem to have the answers. It's, it happened a lot under Van Gaal and it's happened plenty under Mourinho this season. And that's so frustrating because this is not a new thing for us, Rich, is it? We're so slow in possession, there's so few ideas. You can see that the way that we're set up to play completely stifles all of our creative players. I mean, Mourinho, to a degree, has managed to deflect a lot of the criticism onto guys like Anthony Martial or Pogba earlier in the season or Marcus Rashford. But he's bought a guy of the quality of Alexis Sanchez. And, and let's be honest, apart from half against City and maybe 60 minutes against Spurs, he has stunk. He has been one of the worst players at the club since January. Hands down, he's been one of our worst performances in the entire club. And if you're taking a guy of the quality of Alexis Sanchez and you're making him play like a drain, just the same as Pogba, just the same as Martial, just the same as Rashford, basically the same as any of your creative, technically gifted players, then you know the problem isn't necessarily with those players. It's not necessarily to do with their commitment. It's not to do with the fact they're not trying or you know, all these things that have been perpetuated about these guys. There's something seriously wrong with the system, something seriously wrong with the way they've been asked to play that is stifling every single one of those of our technically gifted footballers. I mean, Andy, Andy Mitten said, I think it's on the podcast, but he may have said it on Twitter as well. Basically, you know, he, he echoed the, what a lot of people have said, that he was really glad the season was over. And I think we can all relate to that because it's just been awful. It's just been horrible. Small pockets of joy aside, it's been a real drain, really. You know, he said well, there is so much attacking talent at this club and it's not, the, the team does not play as, to, the, to the standard that the talent we have 
dictates or should dictate. And Mourinho's done a wonderful job of persuading some people that these guys are no good, or they're not trying, or whatever. The players aren't blameless. Mourinho can't make Pogba score from that header on Saturday, or he can't make Sanchez, you know, just hold the line and stay on side for the for the disallowed goal. But those players have been stifled, and they're clearly not happy. Martial potentially looking to leave. You know, Pogba's clearly not been. He's falling. He's essentially fallen out, or was criticised and fallen out with United's best players. I think Bailly kind of makes it a full house, and it's very difficult. He's, he's not going anywhere. Doesn't matter what anyone says, whether whether people want him out or they don't. He's not going anywhere, and he knows he's he's going to have to deliver next season. But but my concern is who is going to be left on board by the time he goes if it if it doesn't succeed. Yeah, it, it's a difficult one to judge, really, isn't it? You know, there's a part of me that's just thinking, well, some of these attacking players, is it worth sticking around for an extra season? Because Mourinho typically doesn't last belong, you know, beyond three years. Normally, something goes wrong during that period that means that he doesn't finish his contract or release at the end of that season. Is it worth sticking around for another 12 months of this to see the lights at the end of the tunnel? Because United have improved under him. You know, three finals in two seasons is not to be sniffed at. It's not always been pretty, and it frequently no. hasn't been pretty. But that is that is progress. You know, we weren't doing that under Moyes, and we weren't really doing that under Van Hull, apart from right at the end of his second season. Yeah. So that's good. That's where this club should be on a more frequent basis. That's where we all want to be. And you can't win every final, sure. But that defeat yesterday no. was born of so many things that we've spoken about this season. And we're not trying to make out like we're footballing geniuses. It's basic stuff. You know, we're talking about bringing Rashford into that lineup and putting him in that Lukaku role, asking him to try and control the ball, playing plenty of long passes up there. And you just know that he's not going to be able to get on the end of those. The amount of crosses that we chucked into the box, considering that our front three was Lingard and Sanchez and Rashford for that first hour was criminal. You know, it was ridiculous. It, it just doesn't make any sense why you, Mourinho created that team. It almost seemed like he had set it up for certain players to fail. And I don't know what he's trying to achieve by that. But he said after the game, didn't he? He said after the game, what can I do if I haven't got Lukaku or Flaney to play as that physical target man? And the answer is, don't ask Marcus Rashford to play in the same way that you you would have asked the two big, tall, powerful guys. Perhaps perhaps encourage Mm. a team to play in a different way. You know, that seems to be the problem. There's only one way. There's only one way to skin a cat for Mourinho. And it doesn't matter what personnel you stick in. You know, whatever changes, he just uses that way. And if that way doesn't work, there's no Who other. Who does way. that sound like, Rich? Well, <laughs> yeah. Basically, United play the best, the best, the best football in the second half of games, and there's a reason for that. It's because the opposition gets tired, and there's more space. And good players can do good things when they've got a football and space. And we have got some really good forward players or creative players. The problem is when they don't have space, and you need more than just give it to the good guy and hope he does something. And this, that's been a repeated theme all season, hasn't it? You know, it's, it's basically, it looks like everybody just stands still and it's just kind of like, we'll give it to him. He's really good. Let's, let's hope he does mm. something. We're all looking for a way forward. We're all crossing our fingers and hoping that he'll make some terrific signings this summer and that suddenly everything will click and we, it'll all be different. And we'll actually play some football that we can remotely enjoy and be proud of next season. We're going to keep that hope inside us, but I'm not holding out. I'm not, I wouldn't put any money on it. But we don't have we don't have any choice. You've got to stay on the ride for the for the third year, haven't we? Absolutely. I mean, there is no way around it. We look. I do not have faith right now, based on what we've seen these last two years and what we know of Mourinho, that we are suddenly going to turn into a team that's capable of challenging for the league title and get to the quarterfinals, semi-finals of the Champions League, based on what we've seen. 
And this is not me trying to be overly reductive. This is just what we've seen all season. That severe tie really knocked me because, you know, yeah. the, the games leading up to that, it seemed like, you know, coming back against Palace, taking the game to Liverpool in that first half and winning it, which is something that not a hell of a lot of the bigger clubs have been able to do this term. You know, they're in the Champions League final for a reason. They are been, they've been very, very good in attack. And we completely stifled them. They only scored because Eric Bailly just stuck out his leg. But yeah, yeah. that Sevilla tie really, I mean, obviously it upset a lot of us, but I think it really knocked my confidence in the sense of what Mourinho can do with this team going forward, just purely because of what was at stake. Not necessarily us winning the Champions League, but essentially, as I mentioned earlier on, we Mourinho's approach and the way that he post, you know, he basically looked at the post-match was this is what this club expects, right? You know, United haven't done well in the Champions League for ages. Well, are we just there to make up the numbers? What was the whole point about going through that Europa League campaign last season? If all we're going to be is just going out in the last 16, it was pointless. And, you know, the only thing, yeah, the only thing you could say about yesterday afternoon that was at least positive was that in that second half, we at least tried. You know, there was effort there. There was some commitment and there was, just based on the possession, it was good to see us at least pin Chelsea back but the other point of that is that we spent almost the entirety of that second half on the front foot and didn't create that much you know Sanchez as you said there just strayed a little bit offside correct decision you know I was so happy to see that go in but it was right he was offside you think back to Rashford going in one-on-one on Courtois good save by him and people you know I think it was Kieran who was saying you know perhaps on a different day Rashford gets that in and maybe that is a confidence thing. He's not necessarily in with the goals at the moment. So there's certainly that to consider. And I think maybe Mourinho can perhaps take a bit of the blame in the sense that Rashford is not playing like a confidence player at the moment. And then Pogba's header, not too far from the end. I mean, I love that man, but that was a poor, poor finish. And again, Mourinho didn't do anything during that game to stop those chances being missed. And you think back to Martial coming on. Yeah, he was great at running at players, and I love that about him. I like that he will take risks and dribble and actually try and get the ball a bit further forward. But again, just like Jung, just like Valencia, his delivery was poor. And it just culminated in us. You know, there was no certainty about us getting that equaliser, really, was there? There was effort, there was graft, but there was no sense that we were going to blast our way through and take that game to extra time. And considering that we had almost the entirety of the possession for that second half, that was incredibly disappointing. One of the things you, you see on the pitch is that quite clearly most most of our attacking players are very very low on confidence. And one of the things that's been it's quite noticeable is that even if we've won three or four games in a row or four or five games in a row, if we've been City and we've been Liverpool, we've been Chelsea, we turn up to the next match, and if anything goes against us, you just see the heads drop. You see the play. You see the players start getting nervous. And whereas you know we're kind of used under under Fergie to to see players respond to those situations. And on occasion we have, as you say, the, the, the Spurs semi-final, we responded really, really well in the second half at City. But too often, everyone just gets nervy. Everyone just seems to start panicking. I think just generally confidence is low and I don't, there doesn't seem to be a great deal of fluency with anybody in the team. And to a degree, it's, it's, it's necessitated by the fact we've been several competitions. But United have made amongst the most team changes of any side this season in the Premier League. It's very, very difficult for fluency for any of those forward players. You know, Marcus Rashford had a terrific game against Liverpool. Man of the match performance, scored two goals. He was absolutely wonderful. And then he didn't play again for six weeks. You know, and if you're him, you're thinking, well, what did I do wrong? Why why am I not playing? And, and the next time you come in, you're nervous because you think even if, 
you know, I've got to play well here because I'm probably not going to play again next week. It just looks like nobody absolutely truly believes in themselves. And I think it's noticeable. The players that, the players that seem to be really enjoying playing under Mourinho are the average guys who work really hard. Oh, the grafters absolutely loving Valencia, Young. But these are the guys, these are the guys that essentially aren't good enough for United to be winning titles. Mourinho loves them because they just do what he says. You know, they're not stupid. Ashley Young knows he's bloody lucky to be playing, you know, to have played at United for however many years he's played there and at 32 to be still be getting in the team at Man United. He knows, he knows that's, that's, that's great. You know, and, and Herrera loves it because, you know, I love Ander. He's a really good footballer. Is he an absolutely top class footballer? No. But he knows, he, he's playing for United. He knows he's bloody lucky to be there. Whereas the other guys, the guys who need a bit of man management, who've actually got really serious talent, who, who, who can lift the team to another level, they're not enjoying it because they're not being given the conditions to do that. And so you've got this divide between the guys who really aren't good enough to be playing for United if we're going to be getting back to the highest level and the guys who potentially are good enough, but they're just not being allowed to. The conditions aren't right for them to do it. You talked about the um, defeat to Sevilla. One of the worst things about that, apart from the tactical and idiocy and just the patheticness of the approach, was that the whole of the previous season had been to get back in that Champions League. And once we got back in it, it was shit. The six group games were shit. They were terrible games. Well, I mean, the first two were pretty good. That's true. Sorry, you're right. The CSK game was was a really good game. That was that was that was particularly fun. But we played Benfica twice. We lost in Basel. The home game against CSK was just a bit of a slog, really. And then we got through and we played Sevilla, and essentially we just bottled it tactically. We 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 went in appallingly. I mean, again, I was just listening to the United We Stand podcast three hours ago and. And Andy Mitten said, you know, he's seen a lot of Sevilla this year. And he said, this this is not a good Sevilla team. They're not a good team. This isn't a Sevilla team that won the Europa League three years in a row. It's a really, really bad average team. And we basically went out as if we were the underdogs and we were scared of them. And I think that's what angered so many people. And I'm sitting here thinking, well, we've got second place. And I would trust Mourinho to get us in the top four every year until the end of time if he was still here. I think he can certainly do that every year. But why? What's the point? Why? Why? Why do we want to be in a Champions League that, frankly, we're not brave enough to go anywhere in? You look at Liverpool. Liverpool, just as an example, you know they finished a few points behind us, although they they eased off because in the league because they because they were concentrating on the Champions League. But they've been they've been brave all season, really brave, and they're in the Champions League final because they've just gone for it, and. You can see that all of those players love playing for Klopp. They absolutely adore it. And he trusts young players and he's just trusted all his players and just let them go out and be the best they can be. And Mourinho's done the opposite of that, basically. I mean, if we look at the season as a whole, you look at the way we began, you know, and you think about scoring four goals, you know, 4-0 FC was the chant. And it was such a fun month or so, wasn't it? A fun six weeks. We were just scoring goals at will. We, and it, you know, in some games, like the Everton game, we, it took about, what, an hour, 70 minutes to get going. And then that last sort of 20 minutes, we just ripped teams to bits. Martial, Rashford, Lukaku, Pogba were all having the time of their lives. They looked so good at the start of this season. And whether it was Pogba's injury that just not Mourinho's confidence, I don't know. But Liverpool. 
I mean, the Liverpool, game. Liverpool game, just because, I mean, you, you, any number of reasons, you know, we went to Liverpool and we were just cautious, so, so cautious. We didn't necessarily, we had that one chance. We didn't look like we were, Mourinho trusted his players to win that game. And yes, there have been some exceptions to the rule, but in the biggest games of this season, you think back to City at home when we were, what, five points behind in the league at that point? You think back to the two ties, sorry, the two legs against Sevilla. You think back to Saturday against Chelsea. Those were, to me, the biggest games of the season. And our approach seemed to be, I'm not sure if I can trust my players to go out and win this game. So we're going to have to be cautious. And we had to react every time after we went behind. And in those three occasions, we did not. You know, I don't necessarily think we deserve to win. You know, yeah, we had more che- possession than Chelsea yesterday. I don't necessarily think an, an equaliser would have been unwarranted, but I don't feel hard done by. We didn't take our chances and we created very yeah. few of them to begin with. And I think the frustration comes from the fact that we know Mourinho can do better and we know, we know these players can do better as well. Martial was carrying us on his back in that first season. He was 19 years old and he'd never even played in England before. And with thinking of potentially selling him Woodward saying publicly yeah I back Mourinho to do whatever that's fine you know I back the manager fair enough you know if you're a chief executive or whatever the hell he is you need to be doing that but by that same token that's just such a terrible outcome for what United are trying to build and if our aim is get rid of Martial and bring Willian in it's the short termism that is really going to backfire for Woodward long term and, you know, it becomes more structural then because we can't say, look, Mourinho has definitely made some cock-ups this season. But again, you know, we think back to the fact that we've got, a, you know, Mourinho's boss who does not know what best to do in terms of running this football club. He's not sure of how best to go about it. There is no long-term strategy. There is no long-term planning, really. Yes, we bought some younger players in, but honestly, if Martial leaves and William brings in, What's even the point? Because essentially that's us saying no. we want to bring Willian, who's almost, what, is he 30 years old now? You're going to get the best out of him for two seasons. 30%. And then we've got another player who's in his 30s, early 30s, who is going to potentially be a jobber for the squad. And ultimately, I'm a big fan of this squad in terms of their personalities. I think they're all really great guys. But we've got too many jobbers. This summer, essentially, we need a left back, we need a right back. We had a couple of options in centre midfield. And if we get rid of Martial, then arguably we need a proper, proper winger. And maybe another striker, you know, because I just don't know. I just don't know where the goals are coming from if Mourinho insists on playing this style without Lukaku. And again, it's mad to me that Mourinho's time at United has been defined by essentially needing a target man to hold up the ball and to lump up the ball to and then hope we can make something happen with it. It was Ibrahimovic last season, it's Lukaku this season. If they're not there, United struggle. And it's mad to me that that's still the case. You know, there's been exceptions to those rules, for sure. You know, we got through the Europa League final without Ibrahimovic, and that was a really good team performance. You know, it wasn't stellar attacking-wise, but we got through it. You know, we did well. Everyone was on the same page, and Munoz got the performance out of his team that he needed. But that doesn't happen often enough, and it needs to start happening more frequently, or we're just going to end up in a really awful situation in 12 months' time. Because unless Mourinho buys smart, unless he can get more out of the players that he's still got, unless the average talent level in the squad improves. Because we can talk about Deadwood all we like. You know, you get rid of Blind, you get rid of Darmian, and there's talk tonight about Fellaini potentially going off to AC Milan. And, you know, I said this on the Twitter account. 
thanks for the occasional big goal, but, you know, Mourinho was talking about Fellaini's absence and lamenting it. United have got to get out of this habit of thinking a player like Fellaini is going to be a hugely viable solution long term. It doesn't work often enough to justify the use. So, yes, I wouldn't necessarily be dancing in the aisles to see Fellaini leaving, but I think it would be the right thing for the club if he left long term, for sure. I think Mourinho... You know, whether or not he need, <laughs> knows it, he needs him to go. But again, going back to that Deadwood point, you let Darmian go, you let Blinger, you let Fellaini go. Those three were not regular starters for United. You need to replace them with players of a higher calibre and higher quality. You also need to trust that Mourinho can get a high standard and a consistent standard of quality out of them. So far, Mourinho's buyers have not been good enough to suggest that. And again, I'm not backing him in the transfer market. It's not my job to give him the money. He's going to get the cash, whatever happens. But... We need to have some sort of sense that when Mourinho brings a player in, that he's going to be able to do something good with them. He's going to be able to get performances out of them consistently. And very few players, you can say, across the board, apart from maybe De Gea and a couple of others there, here and there, you can look at this team and say, who has performed consistently from front to back? Who's had great performances week in, week out? Who's gotten on with the job? And I'm struggling. Like, Bailly is great he's wonderful value entertainment for a start and Lindelof has struggled at times yes but the only way that you're going to get improved performances out of them is if you play them so put them alongside your best center back whoever you believe that to be get them learning get them playing get them adjusted it's just never going to improve otherwise no I mean there's basically there's basically Matic who clearly completely trusts I think until Saturday he had complete trust in Lukaku although I wouldn't bet that that's now started to be eroded. He clearly, he clearly seems to trust Sanchez. Even, and it doesn't seem to really matter how bad Sanchez is. He clearly just seems to trust him at the moment. I think you touched on a wider point when you were speaking there, talking about Ed Woodward, and a lot of people have kind of mocked Arsenal for the idea that they might appoint Kel Arteta as manager. You know, ultimately, we don't know how how that's going to go. We don't know how good a coach is going to be. But Arsenal have actually taken that step at the end of Wenger's time, and ultimately he's finished Wenger off, where they've brought in two specialists, as essentially as director of football and head of recruitment, who will do the, the same job that was done at, at City, whereby the club has a direction. It's decided how they're going to play, what sort of players they're going to be looking for. There's a system there which which d- prevents the manager from just buying, not, not frivolously, not... I think there's there's checks and balances now at Arsenal, so you know there'll be the input of several people to see who they should sign, and and there'll be an effort to make sure that all of the signings they have will have similar qualities that fit within the team. And the problem we've got at United is that there's no structure at all. There's Jose Mourinho, and then there's Edward Wood. Edward Wood is a master businessman, but he's not a master football. And essentially, he's got a guy in Mourinho who he needs to work. You get the impression he will just say yes to anything, to a degree. I mean, I think I think funds have been slightly limited over the last two summers, but I suspect that comes from above as much as anything. You know, ultimately, I think that's that's slightly beyond him. But but in terms of strategizing, there's nobody there who was, could say to Mourinho, "Look, hang on, wait a minute. What's the what's the longer term plan here?" And I think you're right. I, th- I think there's a very good chance that he'll buy a clutch of older players this summer. I mean, look. Essentially, the way you view this summer now, I mean, I think this is the this has been a really interesting thing about measuring the responses of you know friends and fans and people that are on a Twitter account. 
And, you know, we, we I, I keep a really active eye on it, so I try and gauge the mood as best as possible. The overwhelming sense that I get from the way the season has panned out, and you've got season ticket holders of 10, 20 years saying, I'm glad that season's over. You've got fans who don't go to games saying, I'm glad that season's over. That seems to be the pervading sense at the minute, isn't it? That this campaign is now done, and that is almost a positive thing. And it shouldn't be like that. It didn't need to be like this. Not two years in. No, not two years in. It, it, yes, we do have to take into consideration that City have essentially planned to hit the ground running like this with Guardiola. And after a tricky first season, they're locked in. It's going to be such a challenge to try and get them down and try and beat them next season. Yes, we do have to take into account their performance this league season. But we can do better than this. Mourinho can do better than this. And the worry is, is that we are now two seasons into this third manager since Ferguson retired and we're still not sure where we're going we're still not sure how we're playing this still doesn't seem to be much of a plan players that we know can perform that we know can provide more that we know can create more you know goals still seem to be a problem after five seasons and yeah we're scoring a bit more than we were last season but not by a massive discernible amount that it's really twisting our fortunes we're still struggling with these same structural problems. And this is one of the difficulties. You know, I was thinking back to what, you know, you, Kev, Paul, and I were talking about two years ago at the end of Van Hal's second season. And at least we had a cup final at the end of it to say, all right, we've ended the season on a high spot. But we spent so much of that season going over old ground. And we've done a bit of that this year. And it's impossible to get away from because these problems aren't getting addressed. And until that happens until Mourinho does take steps to try and alter those things or the club actually gets a bit more of a plan and a structure in place to try and support the manager and to have a bit more of an idea or get a man in who is going to work within that structure I don't know how good it's going to get you know it might not get much better than this who knows it's difficult to say there's no certainty about next season the season after that I just don't know and that is the worrying thing I wouldn't trust the club to choose the right person. I don't, I don't think the structures are there for us to, to, to source and to ferret out the right person for, for the club mm. going forward. So, you know, we're kind of a devil and deep blue sea, aren't we? We have to go with it now. One, because we haven't got a choice. And two, because there's no trust that the, the alternative is going to be any better. But, you know, the, the wider point, the wider point and the overall message, the overall most important thing that we can say is football can be fun. It doesn't matter what players you've got, football can be played in a way which is fun to watch and enjoyable and that your players enjoy playing. So many times we you know, we have, have these discussions on social media and you get this, what's he supposed to do with Ashley Young and Antonio Valencia and whatever. Eddie Howe has Bournemouth playing fun football. Now, their players aren't as good as ours and you know their results are pretty bloody good given the talent and the budget they have. But we've seen that we've seen a lot of Premier League teams this season play very fun football. There have been far less teams playing kind of Mourinho-esque defensive, compact, counter-attacking football this season. It doesn't matter what standard of players you have, and we've got some really good ones. Your team can be fun. You know, Liverpool's players enjoy playing in that in that system. Spurs' players enjoy playing in that team. Now, I don't want to hear arguments about well, Spurs have finished fourth. You know, it's 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 a, an endless debate that could be done forever Spurs don't have the budget we do and they've had to do it differently and whatever else but but the point is that football we're sitting here and most of our rivals most of the teams that we have been competing against in the last few years play football which their fans enjoy and which is fun to watch most Mm. of the time 
or a good portion of the time. Well, I think one of the things you can say, yeah, if you look at that top four, you look at City, you look at Liverpool and you look at Spurs, you can say that those three teams play attractive football with an emphasis on good passing and attack and skillful players. We've got skillful players for the most part that can match up with either of those teams. But what do we excel at? What are we good at? And we still don't know. No, you know the the old argument about we've got Smalling at the back and, and Phil Jones and, and whatever else it falls down when you just have to look up the road at, at Liverpool and you know they're they're playing with Darius Henderson and Alex Oxlade Chamberlain Chamberlain in midfield and Dejan Lovren at centre back and Andrew, Andrew Robertson you know he's come on no end under Klopp these aren't world class players these are players we know have faults Liverpool essentially have three players who I would say play are, are of a world at a world level or near to a world level of cap- capability, and that's the front three. The rest of that team is just a team of pretty good to, to very good, in some cases, Premier League players. You know, Van Dijk's been a really exceptional addition, but apart from that, you know, they've got a, they've got a dodgy keeper. There's so, so much of that squad is average, but, they, but they're playing in a way which is absolutely glorious to watch for their fans. And it's just brave, and it's the exact opposite of what we're doing. The severe game is cowardice. It's not cowardice, but it's it's... It's it's reactionary football which waits for the other team to do something. It waits to see what's happening and then tries to work it out from there, which is, you know, we have the players to be going into a game and saying, this is what we're going to do. In most games, this is what we're going to do. We're going to play this way and they can deal with it. And that's the difference, I think. And you're right, there has been progress. Second is clearly a better place to finish than sixth. But has the journey been worth it this season? Yeah, if the outcome is essentially the same and we go into next season's Champions League with that attitude again, then second, third, fourth makes absolutely no difference. Why are we bothering? I mean, look, just, just to try and yeah. temper things, Rich, yeah. because we've done this a lot this season. Yeah. I put out a call for just opinions on Twitter yesterday and just asking what realistically needs to change for United to be a consistent competitive force under Mourinho. Because again, you know, we spent a good chunk of time this evening talking about Mourinho's faults, where things are going wrong and what needs to be all of the season's issues. So what can be done to improve things? And that's something that I'm not necessarily sure we've spoken about quite enough. If we're going to talk about the interest of balance. So, you know, I've got to admit, several people did just say sack Mourinho. So thanks for that. Let's go through a couple of replies. Uh, Tariq Amir said, uh, in a long-winded fashion, give him enough rope and let's see what he does next season. If he can deliver, then great. But if he doesn't, at least his successor, hopefully a more progressive coach, has more talent to work with. Hader says... Uh, a lot of his toys need to be snatched away. Smalling, Fellaini, Jones, Young, they have to be forced out against his will. Wow. And then he has to make his team again. Uh, Stephen Roberts, his tactics, man management and attitude. Vikash Patil, he needs to adapt to the demands of the modern game. Brackets, he won't though. Close brackets. Our boy Phil, uh, at Philmatic, he needs to get that magical combination of quality and application that he's been talking of for more than his players. Current or new, Matic, Lingard and Lukaku, the only ones doing it currently. Ultimately, that job falls to him and will decide whether he's still here in a year. Uh, Nazanto, realistically speaking, he needs to get an attacking-minded coach who are responsible for everything on the pitch from midfield to final third. I think that is a cracking point and one I was trying to bring up early on, but I got lost in bile. Um, Rui Farrier leaving the club, that could potentially pave the way for someone to come in and offer some assistance in attack because... You know, I don't know what goes on the training ground, but let's be quite frank. 
it doesn't look like anyone's doing much in the way of attacking coaching, does it? So maybe someone can come in and offer some assistance with that and just a fresh viewpoint and some ideas for alternatives. You know, if, if Mourinho doesn't genuinely spend that much time with the attacking side of things, get someone in who will. You know, what's the worst that can happen? You know, it can't really get much worse than this in that sense, can it? I think it's interesting. That, I don't know if you saw Duncan Castle's little mini exclusive today, essentially saying that Mourinho is going to introduce three coaches. One of them will be Carrick. One of them is a fitness trainer from Sampdoria, whose name now escapes me, who he said, that's 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 done, that guy's coming in. And then there'll be a third who'll be somebody on the tactical side. And on the face of it, you hope that, that might be something positive. But then Mourinho said a few days ago that essentially he's not going to bring in anybody experienced. He's going to bring in fairly clean, you know, young, impressionable slates that he can mentor. So I guess the question is, whoever he brings in that tactical role, are they going to be somebody who is going to be in a position to challenge him? Or are they going to be somebody who's purely very capable, but somebody somebody who's going to essentially be subservient and who is is, is essentially going to be trained in Mourinho's ways? If we talk about what, what needs to change next season, and ultimately Mourinho does need to change because what's, what he's doing at the moment isn't going to work, I don't think. Yeah. Oh gosh. Well, that was fun. Forty-eight minutes or so. <laughs> Let's dust off with a couple of Twitter questions for this evening. <laughs> At Johnny White ninety-three asks, with Arsenal and probably Chelsea getting new managers, do you think Mourinho is the manager under the most pressure in the top six to start next season? Well, yes. Quite frankly, uh, I think Pochettino yes. is clearly got enough of uh, Daniel Levy's support that he hasn't got to worry too much. Klopp's safe, regardless of what happens on next Saturday night. Uh, Chelsea have had that sort of season so I'm guessing Conte probably isn't going to be there next year I think the FA Cup's probably a good way for that to wind down Arsenal have got a bit of a blank slate to deal with because they're dealing with a very odd situation in the sense that Wenger's gone you know who's going to put any pressure on Guardiola after that season there everyone is frothing at the teeth after that what 100 point Premier League tally that Mourinho, sorry, Guardiola brought into City this season so yeah it is down it is going to be a lot of pressure on Mourinho and who knows how that's going to pan out? You know, he won't like that perception that he's under extra pressure. He will bite back at that publicly anyway. It just depends how he actually deals with that on the training pitch and then win matches. He can deliver more than he's doing right now, for sure. And I think this is going to be an odd situation for him because he's not coming from a position of comfort or strength. He's coming from a position where he's challenging a rival that he is capable of besting, for sure. But I don't know whether or not he genuinely believes that he can take on this challenge anymore. Anyway, uh, Manashi Karimi, do you think there's more to the Eric Bailly situation? I don't buy the World, Cup, the World Cup excuse due to Smalling, and he's been fit for a couple of weeks now. So that's not an excuse either. Thoughts? Yeah. Clearly complete bullshit, wasn't it? <laughs> Unfortunately, because, you know, ultimately there was no, no excuse on Sunday. I thought it was interesting that there was a story a couple of weeks ago from John Cross who said that Bailly is sort of confused as to why he's not playing and a lot of people kind of shot it down and and you have to be careful with these things because often you know essentially the people you get these things from often have agendas but it seemed it seemed to me it was fairly likely that that came from by his agent and that there's clearly something there whether whether by knows what it is at all or not there's a reason why he's not played apart from the essentially Carrick's testimonial last week for six or seven weeks when he's been fit when in the knowledge that he knows, we know he's our best centre back by an absolute mile. 
Mourinho seems to often have a problem with players who have persistent injuries. In Leicester called Phil Jones. John Terry, or what it? John Terry said a while ago. Was, yeah, um, basically he just completely ignores you if you're injured. Yeah, he just completely ignores you. He doesn't want to know you. And I do wonder if he's just thought, I've got this guy, he's a good footballer, but he's been injured twice for, for a very long period of time and I just can't be asked with it. Which would, would I think would be a real shame because the guy is potentially a world-class centre-back. Gosh, I don't know. <laughs> there's something. There's clearly there's clearly more to that than than what Mourinho suggested. I don't think that's necessarily unreasonable. You know, the thing is with Mourinho, there's always a subtext, really, isn't there? Whether that's particularly overt or a bit more hidden, yeah, it's is. definitely there if you search hard enough for it. Anyway, Rich, I mean, I guess that is that's no more games to talk about. But yeah, we've got the player reviews and our maybe you know guess who's and reviews to do with as well. Are, are you looking forward to those? I'm quite looking forward to the player review. It's always good fun, isn't it? I mean, in general, yeah, because we just get to be a bit more daft than we are now. So, and we'll be a, at yes. least a good week away from whatever we're feeling now, which is not particularly great. So that, that's positive. I reckon that's probably about the right position to leave it there. Have you got a final thought for me? No, I've 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 concluded the season's ended, and I'm really pleased about it, and I don't want to have to think about it anymore. <laughs> I want to go. I want to go. I want to go away. I want. To, I will do player review because that's fun. So I don't have to think about Mourinho. But as most people seem to be saying, I'm just glad it's over and we can watch the World Cup. Oh, we can. The World Cup. How cool is World that? World Cups are great. I mean, obviously, it's going to be Russia, so it could be horrible. And, you know, there is that to consider. But the football might be quite fun. <laughs> anyway. Yeah, I think the football will be quite fun. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll leave it there for tonight, Rich, on that particularly dour note. Thanks for your presence, as always. And <laughs> it's no worries, mate. Oh, dear. Well, you know, at least we were honest. They, they, they'll never be able to say that we weren't dishonest. There's that. Anyway, thank you very much for listening. You can always get us on Twitter if you're so inclined. You can get me at at Hugh and Lennox. You can get Rich at at RichardCan76. And you can get the pod at at Red Voices MUFC. We'll be back with our Players Review episode in about a week's time. So have yourselves a cracking period during that. And trying to get too downhearted about the FA Cup. You know, we do, you know, we do love it deeply, but it is only football. Maybe. Not sure. No, I can't buy that up. Cheerio. Cheerio.